like a river. Come like a waterfall. And just pour over every heart in this room this morning. We welcome your presence, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love your presence. We love your kingdom. We love your, your face. We thank you that your face is turned towards us now. Thank you that we are your sons and your daughters. And we just come into your family room and we just come to, to get close to you, to climb up on your lap, just to sit around at your feet, just to tell you all of the things that we think about you, all of the, the gladness and the rejoicing in our hearts because of your goodness. Not because of circumstances, because circumstances could be pretty, pretty crummy. But when we look at your face, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. We just say this morning, Holy Spirit, come and sweep us up into the throne room. Sweep us up into, into your most holy place. We don't even dare approach your throne by our own efforts, by our own performance, by our works, our good deeds, by how much we've studied your word, by how much we've prayed, we don't count any of that as a credit to come into your presence. But there's one access that we recognize, and it is the blood of Jesus this morning. The blood of Jesus. We come before your throne of grace by the blood of Jesus the one who is the living way, the one whose body was broken open like a curtain in the temple, torn open for us to approach with boldness, with confidence. So this morning, Father, we come into your presence. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. We come into your courts with praise. We thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just drink him in deep, guys. He wants to fill you to overflow more than you want it. He wants you to have that encounter with his presence right now more than you do. So just open up your spirit, open up your heart and say, come on in, King Jesus. We know that scripture. Lo, I stand at the door and I knock the door of your heart. If any man or woman would open that door, I will come in and I will feast with you. Well, this morning the Lord has spread open for us a banqueting table. He's prepared a table in the presence of our enemy. And we get a feast. We get to rejoice in his river of delights. We get to take hold of the meat and the, the food, the, the sweets of the kingdom this morning. So you guys can open your eyes if you want. We're going to read a scripture now that we've kind of got a little soaked, like a dry sponge that just got put in the nice warm water. We're just going to soak him up. Just keep soaking him, but you can open your eyes. You know, you don't, I, I deliver mail and I soak all day and I have to keep my eyes open because there's dog grenades that I might step on. Yes. The troubles of the mailman. So this morning, before we worship, I'm just going to uh, pop a, well, actually, 
We're not going to do announcements first. I don't want to ruin the flow. I thought, well, we should start out by doing announcements because it always feels like it's going to cut across where we're flowing. We'll do it later. But we're going to read a scripture from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and it's uh, slides 6 through 8. And I'm not going to try to go through the whole background of this. Um, you know, just this, this week, it's up there, this week being so... Uh, physically exhausted and just pressing on, just trudging, drudging, whatever the word is, just plowing through with, with the mail that I could deliver. Um, the only thing I could do, I, you know, normally when there's not a lot of outward pressure on my body, I'm able to focus more on different things and just, uh, there was a there was a prophetic word that was spoken over us in McMinnville, over me personally from Stan, Stan said he saw me as ambidextrous, someone that I just got to get my hand on this food and that food, and I'm just feeding. And that's off and on, that is how I, how I function. I just like, there's so many things of the kingdom I want to eat. I want to like learn and take it in. I don't want to like stop. But when the pressure is on, and you guys know this, when the pressure is on, sometimes the, the only thing you can do and the best thing you can do is just to lean into the Father. Just as I'm delivering mail, I just, just lean into his presence. I'm just like, Father, I don't know what is important right now. I don't know what the focus is. I just know I need you. I need your presence. I need to, I need to hear you say, I love you, my son. And I just feel this morning, he just wants that for you. He just wants you to hear his voice say, I love you, my daughters. I love you, my sons. Come close to me. You are mine. I adopted you. And I'm not even going to call you an adopted son. You are my son, my daughter. You are a part of my family. Just rest in that this morning. So, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I don't really know the whole context of this, but it's, king, it's during the reign over Israel of King Jehoshaphat. The enemies of Israel, okay, the enemies of God's people, we all have those, right? We all have spiritual foes, okay? We don't fight against flesh and blood. I'm not saying the neighbor or your relative or whatever person, although the enemy might try to use them. But our, our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realm. So Israel, in the natural, had these enemies trying to kill them. As always, everyone wants to kill the Jews and wipe them off the face of the earth. So let's just read what happened here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Do not be afraid, Legacy City Church, Bremertonians, Port Orchard people, Gig Harbor, wherever you've come from. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. 
Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Next slide. And they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. We're going to come back to that for a minute later on after we worship. Have faith. Listen to the prophets, even if it's a little child. We need to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying now in this season, in this situation. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. That's pretty wild. You put the musicians, the worship team at the very front because the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. I'll repeat that part. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, why don't you guys stand up with me? Let's just say this part together. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Let's say it again. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. In the last slide. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. Bill Johnson, I, I feasted, and if you listened to Bill Johnson the last couple weeks, you'll know that a lot of this is stuff that he shared. And I was just like pulling so much juice from these grapes of, of truth and from this, this theme in this passage. But Bill Johnson had a word that God spoke to him when, like 20-some years ago. He woke up in the middle of the night, and I think I have it here in my notes. Where is it? I'll find it. What's that? Oh, okay, yeah. Let me just read a few things. Maybe it's here in front of my face and I just don't see it. So God is inviting us this morning to fight not for victory, but from victory. So if the battle is the Lord's, and we already know Jesus has conquered on the cross, he has disarmed all the demonic realm. He has taken away their authority, and all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. So it's not a battle between God and the devil. The battle has been won, and we get the opportunity to implement the victory here. And the, the, the pleasure, the joy that God has given us is to do it by worshiping. Praise establishes the ground. It praise silences the enemy. Our praise, when we establish 
our territory with praises, the high praises of God, it silences the enemy. It shuts his mouth. When the devil starts to accuse and maybe it's shame or, or accusation or maybe, maybe uh, just reminding you of failures or reminding you of stuff other people have done, it's time to just shut him up because our outward circumstances are not supposed to dictate to us the stuff that's gone on around us on this earthly realm is not supposed to dictate or control our life. But we fix our eyes on Jesus. We set our minds on things above. We set our thoughts on his character, his nature, and his promises. And that lifts us up to his perspective. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, things change. We forget about the stuff that's going on. It's not that it all goes away. We still have to walk through the battle, the battlefield. But we already know the victory has been won and God is for us. He's not against us. So we rejoice before we see the victory. So this morning as we get ready to worship, we're going to rejoice before we see the victory. We all need victory in different areas. And we're going to rejoice in him before we see it. So when we offer thanksgiving and praise to God, those are expressions from our heart to him because of who he is and because of his promises. But when we worship, we're giving him ourselves as the offering. So this morning, he's inviting us to surrender, to give yourself to him. Yes, give him thanks, give him praise for who he is, but in the place of worship, just lay your life at his feet. Let's worship this morning. Let's keep this with me. Thank you, Jesus. God, we just thank you for your faithfulness to show up every time. As one other Bethel song says, God, you don't have to come, but you always do. You show up in your splendor and you change the whole room. God, you're faithful to do it every time. God, when we come, no matter what's going on, Lord, we just come before you and lay our problems, our worries, our cares, our battles at your feet, God. You're faithful to come and love on us, encourage us, strengthen us, pull us up on your lap, Lord, and show us your fatherly affection, your father's heart towards us, God. Anybody have anything they want to come and share with the rest of the class this morning? You feel anything from the Holy Spirit stirring you in any way? Yeah, testimonies. It's been a while since we've all gotten together, right? A couple of weeks? Uh-oh. Bring out the big guns. Right on. Bring it on. So, yeah, um, during the snow, we were stuck at home for a couple of days, um, having to miss work and not complaining about that. But um, for me personally, I found that it was a time where I really felt the, I just 
Sometimes when the enemy comes, he just, he, you know, he picks out one thing. But for me, I felt it was, it was actually like a multitude of things. It wasn't just one little thing. Um, Scott kind of mentioned this morning, you know, um, sometimes the enemy will bring, you know, you did this, you did that, or it's the opposite. So-and-so did this to you, and remember, so-and-so did that to you. And so I'm... And I, I do think it's because of, you know, kind of the isolation thing. Um, instead of just what I would typically do is just be, I would just start speaking to it right away. But um, this time I just, it's like, oh, I'm stuck at home. You know, my cell phone has not been working right. So um, anyways, and I just, I just, all of a sudden at one point, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the enemy. This is the enemy. He not only is he accusing me, he's like heaping um, coals on the fire, coals of blame, um, coals of um, you know if if they wouldn't have done that, if they wouldn't have done this, and I would be. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm even thinking of this. But um, it was a realization that um, no. Lord, you know, first for me, I had to just apologize. Lord, I'm sorry I've allowed this, you know, this kind of thinking to go on this long. And um, so finally, it's, it really was, it was really like the clouds parting um, where I could see more clearly that um, it, it was not me. It was like this was the enemy. This was his attack. And... Um, and David was very gracious about it. Um, so I know we didn't. We, there was no big fight. That was great. Um, I don't. I know. And I don't think I, I swore once. Well, I might have sworn once. <laughs> but. Um, but it was just great. It was just such a sweet turnaround. It was just like a complete, it, it was really like the sun coming up and melting off, uh, you know, melting off the ice. And, and that's how it was. It was a real, really just a dawning of, you know, be aware, uh, don't beat yourself up. And um, yeah, and it was just... Um, so the enemy, he's a bad guy, and he hates you, and he will use whatever means. If you know, if you open the door a crack, he will kick it in. So just um, don't beat yourself up for it. Um, forgive yourself, and then um, it isn't even it isn't even about going after the enemy. It's simply about. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Just that alone, that's going to send him running. So you don't have to be aggressive after the enemy. You just have to be open to the Father, open to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> no, because of the snow, we were cooped up. I mean, had the opportunity to spend time with each yes, other. <laughs> and... Uh, the enemy is bad. He is sneaky. He's mean. Yeah. He doesn't care about you. He wants you. He wants you to fail. He wants you beat down. 
Um, two things. The 23rd Psalm says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If you read the literal translation, it says, Goodness and mercy shall hunt me down all the days of my life. It's like that song that says he runs after me, and that's what I picture. The other thing it talks about is taking refuge under his wings. And I've heard people say that it's like little chicks under the wings of the mother hen, but the Lord showed me it's way bigger than that. These, this is like the Lord of the Rings eagles. This isn't like, you know, the eagles we got around here. These are like these huge things. And I don't know how many people have seen Lord of the Rings, but... You know, when the eagles came in and these dragons are flying over the army, these eagles came in and they grabbed that dragon, tore it up, and threw it down. And that's what the Lord does for us. When we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and when we are under his wings, he is like those Lord of the Rings eagles. So when you picture that, picture those big, giant, powerful, and he loves us unconditionally. I was going to say that. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I actually, I made a little note. Um, on, that, on that note, just going back to your goodness is running after me in that, in that song, I feel like I've talked to so many people in the last few weeks, not just because of the snow, but family in Kansas City, et cetera, and it's like they're people everywhere are in a battle. They're in a battle in their homes. They're in a battle for their children. They're in a battle for their marriage. You know, just fill in the blank. You're in a battle for whatever. Um, but I feel like this morning, the heavenly perspective, you know, looking at it from victory, not fighting for victory, but from victory and changing, uh, changing perspective and changing to see how God sees it, sees how he sees the situation that you're battling with, you know, with the neighbor or children or whatever it would be that to see it from his perspective, that God would change our perspective to see him as our victorious king that is running after us, to change the perspective that he roars like thunder and that we cannot tame God all-powerful. You know, he's victorious. He's our victorious king riding on in majesty. You know, just to receive that, like, truly, it's not cliche. It's not just songs we sing. It's Bible, and God help us to change our perspectives because I feel like some of our victory comes from that, that perspective of how we see what we're fighting through, how God, just see it how God sees it. It's not hopeless to him. You know, it's just to get, to get built up and encouraged and be hopeful, to be truly full of hope and see him as that prodigal son's father that is running down the road after us. When we make one pivot in our perspective, or our body language just turns towards the Father, I feel like he's like, I got you, baby. I'm coming. I'm running after you. I'm chasing you with everything I've got. I don't care what's been spoiled. I don't care what the enemy has stolen or what you've given him to spoil. It's redemption and restoration. Come home. We'll kick his butt together. You know, so just, I feel like, can I pray for that real quick? All right, here we go. God, I just pray that you would give us your heavenly perspective that you would give us the mind of victory in you, Lord Jesus, that we could pray from victory, that you have won the battle, God. All the battles that we're each one fighting through individually and with families, God, that we would see 
Those battles have been won. We just have to figure out how to walk it out hand in hand with our victorious king, with our loving father that wants nothing but good for us, God, that you have come and you have crushed the head of the enemy, that you are putting our feet on his neck, God, that you would show us how to walk forward with the right perspective, Lord, that we would not be downcast, that we would not be depressed, that we would not be hopeless, God, that we would be hopeful, that we would lift up our heads, that the gates would lift up their heads and swing wide for the King of Kings and our victorious King that has already kicked the enemy's butt. God, help us to see it in your perspective. It's almost laughable. God, he's so unoriginal, as Sharon was saying. He comes back at us. God, help us to shut his mouth and ignore his lies and bring in your truth and embrace your truth and walk in your truth and live your truth for the sake of our families and those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, here comes Naira. Thank you. That was awesome, Amy. Really powerful. Thank you, guys. That was great. Um, as we were speaking today, and Amy was talking, it just reminded me of a time period when um, I was first coming back to walking with the Lord again. And a pastor um, had said to me, had gone to a conference, and the conference was about perspectives. And when something happens to you, whether it's of your own volition or whether somebody says something to you or maybe it's a health concern or whatever, what is this, Lord, and what should my response be? And it's a really simple statement because it takes you right to the heart of the matter to ask him what this is and what should your response be. Because as Scott said, we can talk ourselves to death. And something can come at us, and we have a perspective of it that it's like the biggest, baddest wolf or the biggest, baddest storm. And it reminds me of being like a little child. Because from a child's perspective, when something comes at you and you haven't dealt with it before, you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And you run to mom or you run to dad, right? That's like running home. Mom or dad says, but look, this is going to pass. This is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. Let's do it step by step. So just a simple thought, and this really helped me. And I mean, I received it, and I took it, and I ran with it, is what is this, Lord? And what should my response be? That's real good. All right. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Good girl. So Friday night, I was, um, I watched a bunch of videos, um, Kim Clement, and it got me so fired up, and I went to bed, <laughs> and it's like, John 17, and I went, John 17, and it's like, I couldn't lay there, it's like, okay, Lord, so I got out of bed, it's like one o'clock, and, uh, and he said, this is just paraphrase, but he said in John 17, have my joy be made full in yourself. And then with the political climate and everything that's going on in this world, he says, all be one, perfected in unity. And I also heard another prophet say, say United States. 
stand on that, that we're going to be united. And then an encouragement. He abides with you and will be in you. He abides with you and he will be in you. Change your perspective. Hallelujah. Is that a word? In the beginning of John 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples. And then he prayed for those that would come to hear and believe through their word. And that's us. And he's saying, I'm with you. I'm in you. Let that joy of the Lord. I got the goosebumps. <laughs> Shall we dance? <laughs> oh, and then I have a testimony. <clears throat> Which might lead into him having one. <laughs> Four years ago, I was told by my doctor, you need open heart surgery. It was a shock. I went into the cardiologist and she said, when do you want to have this? And I said, right this minute. So that was like, I don't know, midweek. I had it the following Monday. And I ended up in the surgeon had me stay through the weekend because unbeknownst to me because I stopped the cardiologist and I said don't tell me the details because I don't want that battle and I had scripture from the Lord I knew I was going to live but I didn't want to hear anymore so I stayed through and the nurse said to my daughters when they were visiting do you want to hear your mom's aneurysm? And I look, oh, well, anyway, make a long story short. I get into surgery. Surgeon says, we're going to put you on ice. We're going to lower your body temperature down to stop your heart. And it's like, oh, I wished I didn't know that. And he said, you won't know anything. You're asleep. And it's like, praise God. Anyway, said all that to say. He cut me open, and right at that moment, at that very moment, my aortic valve was splitting. Had I not been in surgery, I would have died, dropped dead. And Noel had something happen today, driving. He got all the way to Bangor. And he pulled into a parking spot. And what was it? He's crying. His rear end on his truck. Just, just like God held my aortic valve together, he held that truck together all the way to Bangor from Bremerton. And at that very last second, as he's pulling into a parking spot. What? The back axle came out. 
that's something to dance about. And I said to him when he was whispering in the back there, it's like as he held my aortic valve together, he held your truck together. Praise God. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, we actually just <clears throat> felt a little stirred this morning to just before everyone got here to begin praying and declaring protection and healing over the over you guys and anyone else that God is drawing in that hasn't come here yet. Anyway, yeah, man, you guys really put the angels to work, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well. <clears throat> Just know the favor of God over your life right now. If you guys have never really soaked in Graham Cook's stuff, how many of you have iTunes music on your phone? Like the music plan, one person? No one else? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there's ways you can listen to Graham's stuff, but I'm just going to put the Graham Cook hat on for a second um, because one of you was talking about Christ. That was Debbie. Christ is in you, you know. You know, the scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from the Lord upon believing in him. Upon believing, Ephesians 1 says, once you believed, you received a deposit, a guarantee, the Holy Spirit, like a seal inside of your heart, inside of your spirit. You've been born again. You've received spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit, who was not in you at one time, came in upon your faith and renewed your spirit, brought your spirit like, like paddles on an EKG machine, just brought you back to life, real life. Because before that, you're just a walking dead person. You're just a zombie <clears throat> waiting for the second death. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ is in you, and not only is he in you, but your life is hidden in him. Your life is in Christ. So you, you can't go wrong. You are marked with favor. The Father purposely put Jesus inside of you for multiple reasons, to transform you on the inside, on the inside out, to make you like Jesus, but he also knew that apart from Christ, you know, you're really, you're just outside of the favor of God. But when he put Jesus in you, you are his object of favor. You, he looks at you and he sees Jesus. He can't help but have favor over your life. And anything that comes up against you, God provides a solution, an upgrade, as Graham Cook says. <clears throat> if you're facing an obstacle, God has an upgrade. He has an upgrade. Romans tells us that all things work for the good of those who love Christ, who love God, who love Christ and are called, called according to his purpose. And if it's not good, then it's not over yet. It's not the end. He's working things out for the good. 
But it's that perspective. He wants to lift our eyes up higher so that we can see his hand. If we realize more and more increasingly aware, become aware of his favor and his face towards us as his sons and daughters, it's going to shift our perspective. And it's, it's going to help us to not be crushed by the circumstances, but it's going to pull us up. You know, I believe in the rapture. I don't know how many people believe in the rapture these days. Some, there are, are genuine born-again Christians that don't believe in the rapture, okay? They, they know Jesus is coming again, but they, they interpret revelation in a different way. <clears throat> That's okay. Maybe you guys are like that. I know I remember talking to your dad about this stuff. Um, a lot of people, you know, don't believe in an actual rapture before the tribulation. They uh, symbolize a lot of revelation. I believe in the rapture, but one thing that I, I do appreciate about those that think the rapture is something that actually is for now is God wants to rapture you up. He wants to rapture your thinking up into the throne room, up into the heavenlies. Colossians chapter 3, the first few verses says, set your hearts on things above. Set your mind, excuse me, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. And then Ephesians tells us you are seated with him in heavenly places. So we're, we're there and we're here at the same time. In a sense, the rapture has happened. When you got saved, you were raptured. Don't, don't get confused, Grandma. <laughs> Not that rapture. In a sense, there has been a catching up. We have been caught up. As the Greek word for rapture says, harpazo. Your mind has been already, your spirit has been raptured into the throne room. You are seated right now with Christ in heavenly places. He is going to come again and he is going to take us up to be with him forever. That's what the Bible tells us. So don't, I'm not trying to confuse you. But there is a type of rapture for now. There's this getting your thoughts caught up in the heavenlies. You know, people used to say, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That's a bunch of BS. I could figure out a word for those initials. That's not what, anyway. It's a bunch of garbage. And uh, yeah, we need to be heavenly minded. We need to get our thoughts out of the flesh and out of the circumstances and see things from God's perspective. So that's the Graham Cook hat. Now we're going to put on the Bill Johnson hat for a second. <clears throat> Bill Johnson, as I couldn't find the thing earlier, heard the Lord in, in the middle of the night. He woke up and he heard the Lord speaking to him. And he said, the Lord said to him, this is subjective, but this is what he said to him, what he tells us. He said, he watches over the watch of those who watch the Lord. He, God, watches over the watch that you and I are walking through. You know, we are watchmen. We are, we are on the watch, right? We are on our path. We are on the watch. We're looking out with the perspective. He watches over the watch of those who watch him. I'm getting goosebumps just as I talk about it. It's not a Bible verse. It's just some insight. But there is truth to it. There are some scriptures that actually help us to see 
how that is true. All he's calling us to do is fix our eyes on him, on the victory. The victory is yours. I love that song. And the more I've been steeping in some of the, just the things that I've been soaking in this week, the more that song just seems to be so like for right now. The victory is yours. You're riding, I, I sung it a little different and I was declaring it. You're riding on our storms. Your name is unshaken. You know, he is, he's right, he is victorious. And we just get to bring his kingdom in. We get to establish his throne, his rule over our lives, over our situations as we worship. We pull down heaven with shouts of praise. That is Bible. God is enthroned on the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Anyway, um, you know, Bill talked a little bit about principles versus the presence. We all need biblical principles to transform and renew our minds, to shape the way we think. It's the, the word of God is like the framework. It, it comes into our spirit, into our, and it erupts into our thinking, and it transforms our thoughts. It transforms our minds. It renews the way we think and see things. But God didn't call us just to function out of principles only. Principles without the presence is like the kingdom without the king. We need the principles, but we need the presence. We need to know what he's saying right now. There's this really cool scripture. Just put slide number 12 up real quick, Isabel. Maybe you guys have read this. I used to do Proverbs, you know, one a, one a day for a month and just work through it every day. Just Proverbs, you know, whatever day of the week it is, you read that chapter. <clears throat> but this has always been one of those verses that I thought, which one is it? Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Okay, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And then the next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Which one is it? It depends on the circumstances. It depends on the situation. You know, Jesus never did a miracle the same way every time. We learned he made mud and put mud on someone's eyes. He spit. I think he spit in someone's eyes at one point. Told him to go wash. <clears throat> put his thumbs, fingers, and ears. He just did it different. He never did miracles the same way every time. Yet we can pick up principles that are biblical and kingdom, but if we rely only on the principles and we don't learn how to rely on his voice and how he's telling us to apply the principles, then we can actually run ahead and run off in a different direction from where he's going. So we love his principles, but principles without the presence is like the kingdom without the king. The key is to apply the principle at the proper time. Unless he speaks, we don't know what to do. 
you know, we were reading that scripture from Second Chronicles 20, and, it, and he said to trust in the Lord and to trust in the prophets. <clears throat> See, the prophets have the ability to hear what God is speaking right now. That's in the Old Testament. But the New Testament tells us we all can hear the voice of God. You all may prophesy. Doesn't mean you have the office of a prophet, but you can prophesy because you can hear the voice of God. Jesus said, thank you for the water, by the way. I don't think that's going to help this though. Maybe we'll try it. Um, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they will not follow a stranger. I love to read the word of God and I love more and more as I'm learning just to be quiet in his presence and then to ask him questions. I love to hear what he says. He has invited you and me into a personal, intimate relationship with him that you would hear his voice. I've heard wild stories of people walking and practicing this stuff, practicing the presence. That's another thing Graham Cook said. We don't need to call for the presence. We need to practice the presence. He's already in you, and you are in Christ. You're wrapped up in Christ. Christ lives in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I think, says you have the mind of Christ who has known the mind of the Lord, but you have the mind of Christ. So we have his mind. The Spirit of God searches the deep things of God. The Spirit, no one knows the mind of a person except for the Spirit that's within him. Same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. And the Spirit searches the deep things of God. And he reveals them to us. So we have the mind of Christ. We've got the brilliant one living inside of us. And we need to just learn how to lean into him and access what he wants to tell us. How do we apply your word in this situation, Lord? Do we try to cast out a demon? Do we break off a spirit of funk? What do we do? Do we just make declarations? Do we anoint with oil? It's all good stuff. It's all things that the Bible tells us we can do. But we need to hear what the Father is saying. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. That's why I believe God is so intent in this season in the church worldwide to help the body of Christ walk in their true identity, walk in your sonship, walk as a daughter, as a son. You're no longer a sinner just saved by grace. That's false humility talking like that. It's not what Jesus died for. He didn't die so that you could remain a sinner who's just going to get into heaven, saved by grace. No, he died so that you would become a saint. He's the one who speaks your identity, even though it may not yet be, he speaks it as though it is. He's the one who calls into existence the things that are not as though they are. He sees you prophetically he sees you already perfect in Christ. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy, according to Hebrews chapter 10. He has made you perfect forever. Lancer, you have been made perfect forever. You can't change that. But right now in the time travel, you're being made holy. I'm being made holy. He's 
working through this process called sanctification. Can you say sanctification? So God is in the situations we all face. And he's going to be in the next situation. He knows it's going to come your way. He knows what trials you're going to face. He knows if the axle is going to drop off the back of the truck. He knows if a valve in your heart is getting ready to fail. So he's going to be in the next situation. Do we welcome any of that stuff? No, we don't want it. We want to keep our eyes on him and we want to make declarations over our lives of his favor and his goodness and faithfulness. Of course, we've got to do our part and keep focused and keep our eyes locked on him. And when he says it's time to pull you home, then, then that's, that's up to him. But we don't want that to be cut short by the enemy's sliminess, right? So the Lord's going to be in our situations. What is the Lord saying in the situation right now that we're in, that you're in? It's our responsibility to discern what he's saying. <clears throat> we're just going to look at slide number 10. Back to the principles without the presence. Oh, there's that little quote I had to put down there. I'm not saying Bill Johnson's making up new Bible verses. It's just a good quote. He watches over the watch of those who watch the Lord. I like that. I mean, it's Bible. Hebrews chapter 12 says to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He was looking at the path that he had to go to to win our salvation, to pay the price for heaven to be open, for you and I to have access to the Father, to receive our inheritance, his inheritance, to be co-heirs with him, to be joint heirs with Christ himself. He saw that it was a joy for him to go to the cross. It was painful. It crushed him. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sins. But he did it with, there was joy. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. So the Bible verse, that's more important than anything. Matthew chapter six, and I, I kind of abbreviated because I didn't want to go through all the flowers and the birds and doesn't he take care of all that stuff? Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, dot, dot, dot what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, how you're going to get your father healed if his heart starts to go south a little bit. You know, do we have to lay hands again? You know, we're not going to be anxious about stuff. Okay, Jesus is telling us, do not be anxious about your life. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? can't do anything by worrying. Worrying is an improper use of your imagination. We have permission to worry about anything God is worried about. Okay? If he's not worried about it, we don't have permission to worry about it. That means we're, our eyes are on the waves, not on him. But he's calling us to lock eyes with him and lock ears to his lips. Like, get that close to where you can hear him whisper. He's calling you close. Stuff can pull you away, but he's saying, come close. Let me break that, that stuff off of you. 
let me get rid of the habits, addictions, thought patterns, attitudes, all of that stuff. Let me get rid of all that. Let me help you break that off. Come close to me so you can hear my voice. He does not accuse. He does not speak to you according to the dead man. God is not a necromancer. He doesn't talk to dead bodies. He speaks to the life of Christ in you and says, rise up into your identity. Rise up in who Jesus paid the price for you to walk in. He calls out your future. He calls out your identity. He calls out your freedom. He calls you to walk in the spirit. He doesn't condemn you as the Smiths have reminded us so many times. There is now, now, right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. That's the dead man. The dead man was condemned. When Christ died on the cross, you died with him. Therefore, you no longer live. But the life you live right now, you live in Christ by faith in the Son of God who died for you. you take it? <clears throat> so which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I feel like that just kind of is the scripture response to what God was speaking to Bill. Seek first the kingdom. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Watch the one who's keeping watch over you. There's nothing more when your kids are hurt. You don't want them to stare at the blood gushing out of the, the cut, right? You're like, just look at me. You're going to be okay. We're going to bandage this up. We're going to pour some stuff on it. It's going to make it feel better for maybe after it stings first. <clears throat> God is a good father, and he's saying, daughter, son, just look into my eyes. I'm going to walk you through this. Earlier during worship, I just, God drew my attention to the big piles of snow that we have all over the cities um, and how hard and compact that is. And when the rain comes, what does it do? It melts it all away, and that's what he's doing. He's, he's rinsing away. He's melting all the stuff. Yeah, we welcome your rain. Father, we welcome the outpouring of your spirit to just wash over, just, just flood through our thinking, just, just to break off the, the crud, the junk, and just to bring freshness and new life. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so stand up real quick. <laughs> Let's just put our hands out before the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, Father, we thank you that it is your will to give good gifts to your sons and daughters. 
We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that word that he spoke to us. That the father is good and he wants to give good gifts to his sons and daughters, to his children. And how much more does he want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we ask, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we, we ask that you would flood through us, that you would pour through us. You would just release your presence through the, the crevices, through the caverns, through the secret places of our hearts and minds through those rooms in our minds where no one else can see, but we know, we know what's behind that door. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into those rooms now. We say, Jesus, here's the key to that door. We just say, have, have, your, have your proper rule and reign in our thinking, in our emotions, in our dreaming, in our steps, God, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Now, just come and wash through. Come and break off areas of darkness. We just say shadows be dispersed now in Jesus' name. Just go. We open up the doors, we open up the curtains, and we say, Holy Spirit, let the light of Jesus shine in every room. We give you permission. Yeah, we say, Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let the rule and reign of Jesus, let the governing scepter of Jesus, our king, be extended over our hearts and our minds. We are yours. You purchased us. We were bought at a price. We are not our own any longer. We don't belong to ourselves. We are yours. You have pierced our ear. We are your bond servants. We are slaves to Christ alone. No longer slaves according to the flesh. We are no longer slaves to sin. We have been set free from the law of sin and death and from its power and from the authority. And we are now under your law, the law of the spirit of life. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and rule and reign in our hearts.